Morning that can folks. Strange morning it is. Woke up this morning lying here figuring in my head to myself saying, you know boy, sex is like church. You only feel good when you're up in it. Soon as you get out of it, you're back to the real world. And to keep feeling good, you got to go back every week and pay money to feel good up inside it. Now that's crazy that. That's one of the metaphors Sigmund Freud might say. But think about it, man, it's just so true. You know, I, I got to thinking to myself because I had a strange dream, but I got to thinking to myself, I said, you know, man, you know, we, as I mean, we just, we, you know, we strive to have, for some reason, you know, we just got to have sex. And I was thinking to myself, man, I didn't have a ball. The sex can cause me a whole lot of troubles, man. Just a whole lot of troubles. But it's just a driving, a driving desire that we got to have something that you just can't hold on to. You know, man, sex will never satisfy you. Man, because I was thinking, I say, man, I didn't have a whole lot of sex, man. And I was thinking, man, that ain't something that really excites me no more. You know, you know, getting my pipes cleaned out, you know, once a month, fine enough for me. But it's just something that, man, I just, it just ain't satisfying to me, man. I, I want to, I'm thinking to myself, man, I want to strive for something better. I want to leave this earth, man. Even when I was a little boy, man, I said, I want to leave this earth. I want to contribute something to this earth. I want to contribute something to I want to leave something back to this earth. Man, it's going to be long lasting. You know what I mean? That people are going to, that people are going to use and people are going to build upon to build better with. You know, and I ain't talking about no kid. No, 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 no. That ain't worth about hill of beans to me. But then I got to thinking about, because I was, and it all sparked, because I was thinking about this uh, one little situation I was in. I got myself into with this little gal. And I was figuring, what was the end game? See, everything you do, it has to be an end game. See, if you get into something and you don't think it all the way through, then you're going to waste a whole lot of valuable resources and time on something that you don't know where it's going. And when you get yourself into a situation where you don't know where it's going, and you don't know no end game, then that's what you end up doing. You end up being like that hamster on that treadmill. You know, you're just spinning that wheel, spinning that wheel. But I got myself into it and, and I'm, you know, in the good was fine and all. She was a good looking gal, but she ain't, wasn't no good looking, but none that I ain't already had. And man, when you think about it, man, ain't nothing between a woman's leg that ain't between another woman's leg. Everything between a woman's leg is the same thing. And I know y'all say, well, you know, some of it is tight, some of it is loose. Well, you know, it all, it all can be tight. It just all depends on how big you is. <laughs> it all can be loose, too. All depends on how small you is. So, you know, the only thing I'm saying is that you just gotta, you just gotta find something if you want to that fits your size. You know, how the old man say, "Don't go punch above your head." <laughs> but I was thinking about it this morning. I said, "Man, what was I messing around with that gal for?" It wasn't like she was the prettiest gal in the world. It wasn't like she had something between her legs that I never had. I don't know how many times. 
And yet I spent a lot of resources and time messing around with that gun. I don't even know. And it was, you know, it was almost like that gal had a spell on me or something. I shouldn't have ate her cooking. That's what it was. See, that gal, she was from the islands down there, you know. And I just don't understand. What, what was I messing around with that gal for? A lot of time, a lot of resources. And it wasn't like that I wanted to have sex with her. I mean, she was cool, but she wasn't no cool around than the other little gals that I was catting around with. And the other gals I was catting around with, I was hitting on the regular. But it was something about this gal, I just don't understand why. And it, 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 it kind of drove me to thinking about like, like church. You know, yeah. You, if when you're in church, if you compare sex to church, you know people go to church and they get in there and they feel so good. They clap their hands, they stomp their feet, they emote, they do all these things, man, just to release, release everything, you know, from what they've been dealing with while they're in the streets or their home life or whatever. And they just shout and they feel good. Jesus! And they run around that music and make them feel good. They hop around that. You know, they go in their pockets, man. They give a little money, you know. Then when they leave outside the building, man, they're just as empty as when they come in. And you think about some relationships, man, it's just like that. I mean, when you inside that good, man, you feel good inside her. Everything is beautiful, man. Y'all laying that man under sweat if you're, if you're doing it long enough. If you ain't doing it long enough, you ain't going to sweat. If you're only doing it two, three seconds, six seconds, you ain't going to sweat. But if you're putting in work, you know you're going to put a little sweat in, like they call it, sweat equity. You know, you're going to be doing some things. You know, you're going to be up and down. Everything going to be pleasurable while you're inside that gal. But then when you pull out and y'all get out of bed, then what is it then? You're back to reality. Now, you ain't paying her no money, but you still paying them light bills and you paying the car notes and you paying the phone bills. And, you know, you doing all these things, you feeding her. You know, just like church, you pay to feel good. Just like sex, you pay to feel good. But then when you get up out that damn Most folks say you got to have something in common beside the bed, and that's true. That's very important. You got to have something true when you get outside the bed. It's like you got to have something true and important when you come outside the church. Because see, like I'm telling you, what I'm just saying, what I just figured one in there, I came in my sleep. And the reason why that, I, that this thing came to my head was I had a crazy dream. And I don't even know if the dream re relates. Y'all know how dreams are. I was thinking about, I don't know whether I was in San Francisco or I was somewhere. But it was just, I was sitting at this table outside and it had this little Chinese lady. And I was sitting there talking to her and where I was sitting, it was a beautiful day. And it looked like when we were sitting, it was out by, it was out by, uh, it was out by the ocean, by the water. You know, like, a, it almost looked like San Francisco on a beautiful day when I went to San Francisco because it had a lot of mountains and how the houses was, you know, up on the hill and everything. And when I flew into San Francisco for the first time back in 1995, I went to San Francisco. 
It kind of looked like that, but it was a beautiful sunny day. And where we were sitting, we could see a stadium. Now, I don't know what, I don't know whether it was a baseball stadium or a football stadium. I don't know what it was. But I knew where we were sitting. It's a beautiful landscape. We were like sitting on the hill and we could see the water and we could see the stadium far off. And me and the Chinese lady started talking. She was an older Chinese lady, right? And we got to talking about something. And she said, you see that building over there? I said, yeah. I said, that stadium? She said, yeah. She said, my husband, he sold all the seats, all the seats inside that stadium. My husband did that. I said, wow. Ain't that something your husband did that? She said, yeah. And then I looked up. And she showed me, she said, that guy over there, he was sitting a few ways down, talking to some people, some business people. It was her husband. I was like, wow, that's your husband? She said, yeah. So me and her got to talking a little bit more, and she slid me her cell phone, asked me to put my number in. I was like, well, your husband right there. She was like, well, he does his own thing. I do my own thing. And he was old Chinese. Now, y'all know that about Chinese men, Chinese men, and Japanese men, too. They're real promiscuous. How you think they got all them kids over there? <laughs> they real promiscuous. You see what I'm saying? They be they love some women. They love they love white blonde head women, particularly. Particularly love white blonde head women. So I said, so I was about to put my put my number in her phone and her husband came up. And just when I was about to put my phone, she had a little small phone. And I was about to put my number in and he came up and I stopped. And he asked her, what was she doing? And she looked at me, and I just stopped. I looked up at him. But then when I looked back down, there was two cell phones down. There was another smaller cell phone down there. So I'm looking at myself, which number do I put my put my number in? Did she slide another phone in? When I looked up, when he came over to put the number in, so I backed off. I didn't do anything. So he told her to get up and come with him. And they went up front. Then he came back and uh, talked to me a little bit. Then he went back and talked to his fellas. And then she came back and talked to me. And we was talking about China and America. And she was saying, she was like telling me how America, she said, you know, we, the world used to think that the America was so smart. We thought that everybody wants to try to be like America. She said, but now that we know that Canada, she said, Canada is way better than America. <clears throat> She said, because we're not scared of China, not scared of America technology-wise, because we got all your technology. She said, the bad, the only thing, not bad, she said, the only difference is our government controls everything. But she said, that's not a bad thing, because we see how fast we have passed America on technology and everything, because our government makes decisions quicker than your government do. Now, I'm thinking about yourself. She said, now, if you want to do anything, she said, Canada. She said, we don't look at America. She said, the whole world thinks America is a joke. You guys are a laughing stock of the world. She said, we like Canada. She said, Canada is nice, pe nice people, and it's pretty clean for the most part, cleaner than America. She said, we already own America. Like my husband, that stadium there, he's already talking to them about he did the seats, told him the seats for it. He's already talking to them about buying the whole stadium. She said, China, we bought America. We don't need to fight y'all in the war. She's saying, y'all politicians. 
She said, y'all politicians tell y'all one thing and tell us another thing because we tell your politicians what to do. She said, all your politicians take money, but your government want to make it seem like the whole world is corrupt. Every other government is corrupt, but American government, she said, but we own your government. Now, I'll tell y'all the truth, what was in the dream? Now, I don't know how all this stuff relates. Church, sex, I don't know how it all relates. But she slid me her number. <laughs> and then I woke up. You're like, man, these, these are so crazy. Now, how is that on my mind? And, 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 and then how it relates to the good that I was carrying around with that I, it wasn't no end game. I didn't have an end game. You know, wasting my time and my resources, I didn't have an end game because sex wasn't something that I wanted to have with her. I mean, get, don't get me wrong, I like sex. You know, I like getting my pipes cleaned out. But I like low-hanging fruit. I don't like nothing I got to put effort in because I don't need to. So you get to a point in life when you get a little older, you don't overreach anymore. See, when you're young, you overreach because you want things, you overreach. But when you've had things and experienced things, it's all the same. You know, all the women that I've been with, all of it has been the same. It's just been a different face. But all of it inside is the same. The motions are the same. Everything. You know, what drives us is our desires. What brings us down is our desires. Now, this is just my opinion and not the facts. Everybody got their own. I'm just waking up that morning talking about me here. Now I'm getting to the point right now is I don't desire anything. I don't desire nothing. Because everything that I ever desired, I went after and I got. And it wasn't all good. See, you can go out there and get a lot of things, but like my daddy said, you don't want to pay for it. There's a price, price to pay for everything. When I desired a car, a particular car in my head, I always got it. When I looked at a little girl desired her, I always got her. But I didn't want to keep her because it wasn't no end game. See, the fun our time is catching things. That's the fun. And that might have been what it was, that little girl that I was catching around with. I just want, probably just wanted to catch her. But then I got bored with the hunt. I got bored with the hunt. See, I got bored to hunt, but at the same time, it was just like a waste of time because it was something that at this stage of the game, that's not where I want to spend my time hunting on. I don't want to spend my time hunting on something that I didn't had countless of times. That's just like a new car. I'm riding around in my old car. I love my old car. My car, 2004. When I pull up to a Cadillac at a red light, the Cadillac, I mean a Mercedes at the red light, or whatever y'all new little fancy car, even a Tesla. My car goes the same place a Tesla goes. It's just that I can get to get in and out of the gas station and fill my car faster than Tesla can. And I can go a little longer without going to a filler station than Tesla can. They got to go to one of the electric things, whatever. But what I'm saying to y'all is that all that fancy stuff don't just don't impress me no more. That's like, you ever get a new car? 
And when you get that new car, you just wash that new car. You wash that new car over to the clear coat come off the top of it. You clean the insides, it be smelling good. It, that When you clean inside that car, it be smelling good as a woman that just took a douche with a bassinger. <laughs> Ooh, it smells fresh and clean. But then it, time go by, you don't wash that car as much as you used to. <clears throat> you don't vacuum the inside as much as you used to. Now, some people, I say they like show dogs. They like to get these material things like cars and collect cars and just don't drive and sit up there. That's mine. Just a show dog. Show dog ain't worth a darn. It's just sitting there. That's just something that you're sitting and you paying on because of your ego. Your ego. Look what I got. What you got don't make the hill of beans of nobody else. It ain't, that's not what you got. That's what you paying for. And that's called stress. See, I'm at the point where, like my old car, I don't even care if I clean or don't clean. I try to clean the inside best I can because I don't want to be riding no peak style. Like I go to work sometime. I go to work. I look at this one guy, call, his car full of trash. Now, that's just a peak style. Y'all, what I mean by clean my car is I'm not a sis. With trying to impress anybody. My car do what everybody else car do. My inside is comfortable enough for me. I keep it just as clean as I like to clean it. But I'm not obsessed with it. And now what y'all got to realize, y'all, all these material things, they look good and they shiny, but you pay for everything that you don't use. You know, like I was telling y'all one time, you got some people got these storage units. They got these storage units with all this stuff in it. All this stuff in it. And then they get the notion one time that they're going to go clean the storage unit. So they go to the storage unit, lift up the little dough, and say, okay, we're going to get to clean it. And when they start cleaning, look at stuff, say, no, I want to keep this. You can throw that away. They get to sorting through things. Now the one little guy that I was catting around with, well, I wasn't catting around with her. I was just, I was just exploring. I'm gonna use the words. Cat, when I say catting around, I was jugging. You know what I mean? We was bone dancing. You know, me and the little guy, we was, I was exploring. I don't know what she was doing, but I was exploring. And I ain't know what I just foolishness. But I had went with her to clean up the storage unit. The reason why I'm saying this here. Now I came here with you to clean your storage unit, and you sitting here. I'm thinking to myself, now I ain't saying this verbally to her. Sitting here watching you, sitting here sorting through these things. Sorting through these things that you say you ain't used or seen in years. And her house was like that. Her garage was like that too. She looked up her garage. I was wondering why she never used her garage. She looked up her garage though. And the garage was, when I say packed, it was packed with stuff. Now I ain't help her clean the garage. A matter of fact, I didn't even have to clean the storage and we did one over there one time and she was sort of trying to find something. <clears throat> and I'm thinking to myself, if you ain't seen the stuff, you stuff years, why are you paying $125 a week? To my opinion, it's junk. If you ain't seen it in two, three years or however you when you had the storage unit, it's junk. What you what are you sorting through it for? What is what in here that you need? Because everything that's in here that you say you need is outdated. They got something new and better now these days. 
You don't need all this old junk. All this old junky stuff. But we want to hold on to stuff. Stuff that we don't even need. We ain't won't even use. You got people like that. You got people that got they got underwear in their drawers with holes in it. They don't even want to throw the underwear in their drawers. They don't even want to throw the underwear with holes on it in their drawers away. Because they want to hold on to them underwear. Them, them their favorite underwear. And I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes when the underwear get a little holes in they get a little more comfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get a little more airy down there. <laughs> like socks too. But you know what's the main thing about socks is? I don't know how socks be disappearing. You know, I live here by myself and I wash my clothes. I be wondering how my where my sock go to. I wonder if this just something in the wash machine to just eat socks, just evaporate socks. Because I don't know how these socks be getting away from me. And I think I keep my place, you know, pretty clean and pretty spaced out where it can't nothing hide behind anything. I don't understand about socks. How socks get away. But that's just another story for another day. But what I'm saying is that we want to hold on to things. Everything in this life, I got to figure here to myself here, laying here this morning. I say, you know, everything changes. Everybody changes. People fade away and people come and go. Like I got thinking about, you know, my pops, he left at 94, December 20, 24th, right before Christmas. Watch a Dallas call. No, it was December 20th. It was a Christmas day, I believe it was. He watched the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he loved the Dallas Cowboys. Sitting there watching TV, went to sleep, didn't wake up. Think about my grandma, my mother. Then think about mother, grandma, who left us last year, more more. The main Tay, all you know, all, all my all my people. And you know what? I ain't cried at none of them funeral. Even as even back then, I didn't cry. You know why I ain't cry? Because sometimes, something that I always understood, even as a young fella by myself thinking sometimes, people are going to come and go. That's just a part of life. Things are going to change. That's just a part of life. And you don't have to accept it because there's nothing for you to accept. It's just the way life is. But the more important thing of it is, did you take anything away from them folks? Memory-wise, lesson-wise. So when they gone, you won't just remember them, but you remember some of the things that they taught you. Now, that's what's important in life. And see, I think I'm kind of like my daddy. You know, I know I like my daddy. My daddy, you know, one day he says, this, I know I keep repeating this to y'all, you know, you just got to watch folks, especially women folks. You got to watch women folks. See, I'm going to tell you about a woman that y'all probably already know. Why. Women is all about survival. A smart woman is all about survival. A woman always should pick a man that she feel comfortable and safe with, that she know can defend her, that can provide for her. See, a stupid woman, a stupid woman, not. Let me preface this also. I'm talking about a woman and a man now. I'm not talking about you new age sideways folks out there. I'm talking about you, you know, you, I'm going to say, because well, them listen to my little pod talk. And I talk to the older folks. 
people who don't listen. I'm talking about you gay folks. You sideways folks. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about a woman and a man. See, I don't know about all this anatomy thing y'all doing these days with these scientists trying to play these little Jedi mind games. You know, these little pygmy mind tricks y'all trying to play these days. Trying to convince science that biologically a woman ain't a man and a man ain't a woman and a woman ain't a woman and a man and a man. All that kind of stuff. That's just too confusing. That's what I call putting mud in the game. Y'all just trying to put mud in the game these days. But I'm talking about, you know, when I was growing up, what they was teaching. See, you young, you young folks, because y'all don't like something. Y'all trying to change everything that we was taught a long time ago. Now, I don't mind changing when stuff makes sense. But when stuff don't make sense, it don't make sense. Now, if you came in the world with a penis, you're a penis. You came in the world with a vagina, you, you got a vagina. You, we label that woman man. Now, whatever your emotional feelings is, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. You can be a man with a penis, but feel like a woman. That's that's your preference if that's what you feel like. But don't change the whole game to try to muddy up the water. Okay, that's all I'm saying. If you're a woman with a vagina and you feel like you're a man, then that's your thing. That's okay. You can feel like that. But that thing between your legs is what we have defined as woman man. And it and it had been working for a long time. Now, I'm not saying. Like I told y'all, y'all go back and listen to my love sex on homosexuality. Homosexuality has been a part of life ever since the existence of man, the gay thing. You know, that ain't nothing new. I don't know why people are trying to be surprised these days. Matter of fact, it probably was more common back in the day than a woman and a man. You see what I'm saying? So I don't have anything against gay. I understand that. That's okay. But what I'm saying is this. When I was raised up, a woman and a man. Is what I'm talking about right here. I didn't got to talk about that and forgot what I everything that I was gonna talk about before that. <laughs> I done got all off track, you know, you know, with all this new age stuff. It just it's it's just so convoluted and confusing. They just muddied up the game with all this kind of stuff, man. I guess like that, you know, like that woman, you know, in China, you know, in my dream, you know, when she was talking about that. China pretty much owns America. And America has become the laughing stock of the, of the world. That's because people have muddy. See, sometimes when you can't be the, be the person with your fish, and like my daddy always say too, my daddy say, matter of fact, I was with my cigar buddy last night, you know, John, and uh, we were talking, and we were looking at that, 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 uh, that show, Vikings. We're looking at one episode of Vikings and uh, King Herod, King Herod in England. See, King Herod, even he was small. See, he knew he couldn't beat them Vikings with his fists. But see, he knew he could beat them with information and the power of the pen and the power of knowledge. See, the Vikings was brutal. They was brutes. They just come in straight. See, they weren't good thinking with their head. You know, they weren't good at figuring. See, I'm gonna tell you, tell y'all about the show, but y'all check Vikings out. King Herod, he tricked them Vikings. He knew he couldn't beat them with his feet, but he tricked them, made them think that he gonna sign over some land or property to them. If they can bring their people to England, they're gonna give them this little partial land and they're gonna be able to farm it and they're gonna do all this kind of stuff. King Herod played mind games on the leader of the Vikings. Because the leader of the Vikings, he was he wanted knowledge. He wanted something more than just raiding gold and silver. 
He wanted information. He wanted change. And ain't nothing wrong with that. But see, like I said, again, when a person knows, like my daddy say, the power of the pen, the power to be able to communicate knowledge, that's how you beat a man. See, so I'm a little, I'm not, I ain't no little fella, but I, I, I ain't the biggest fella in the world. See, sometimes you can't beat somebody with your fears. So you got to know how to outthink them. Or you got to know how to put something down on paper. Take a whole man's life away from him. With the stroke of an ink pen, you can take a man's whole household. You can lock a man in prison. You can divorce a man from his wife. You can do a whole lot of damage. You can do more damage. See, the physical is only going to damage the body. The pen is going to damage your whole life. And that's what they did to America. See, they figured that, especially when these computers, see, the worst thing ever happened to America is just my opinion, not the facts. It's this technology thing, this computer thing. Because, see, you got countries like India, them, they good with the computer. You got other places and pockets of places that's good with the computer. And that computer helped open the door to America and just exposed America. And I'm going to say expose us because I am American. I live here. I pay taxes here. I love, I don't, that's all I know is America. It exposed America. It's like they say the emperor has no clothes. We run around the world telling everybody else what they shouldn't do. And over here, we doing the very opposite. We doing the very same thing they doing they folks. It's just that we have a beautiful economy. Or we have a capitalist society. And that, you know, matter of fact, you know, that John, we uh, we had this video came on about Cuba. Now, John, been to Cuba. And it wasn't showing the pretty parts of Cuba, Havana. It was showing the real Cuba. Man, my, I, I could have fell, fell out my chair. It's horrible. Socialism is horrible. Now, you know, I had my, I always had my doubts on universal basic income, whatever that Chinese guy, whatever his origin is, who was running for president. I ain't like that. I, I think a man should work for what he, you know, I think you'll find a way. So that'll give you, you know, $1,500, $1,200 a month, $25,000 a year to sell on your tail to my universal basic income because the robots are coming. No. I don't think, I don't think, you know, I had mixed a feeling on uh, universal uh, health insurance and because I don't think we need so much universal health insurance in this country. I think we need better regulation on on, them, on, the, on the, the medical industry, the pharmaceutical factory. We don't need, we don't need to just reinvent the wheel by giving everybody a medical card. Just go get medical free like Canada, some other country. At first, I know in a previous podcast, I did say that. I did say that, you know, we need, I did allude to maybe we did need some type of universal health insurance, but I don't think we do. And Obamacare is nothing but a disguise. We got the same medical medical situation that we have always had. It's just that we're paying more to the pharmaceutical companies for it. What Obama put in place that has nothing to do with 
uh, health insurance for everybody. It has something to do with the people that got money paying for when people who ain't got money go to the hospital. That's all that is. You know, it's a transfer of wealth. It's a Ponzi scheme. That's all that thing is Obama put in place. That's just my opinion, not the facts. But see, I like to see the real world. And when I seen this document on Cuba, it just floored me. And this is what y'all want to make America. Y'all want to turn America into a socialist place like the Cuba. I think some of these liberals, I think some of these Black Lives Matter folks, I think y'all need to take y'all tails over to Cuba. Only 90 miles down there off Miami. I think all you people out there who want to deregulate the police, I think y'all need to take y'all butt down to Cuba. I think all y'all out there who complain how racist America is, which America is racist. I'm not saying it is not racist. But I would rather deal with the racism here in Cuba, I mean in America, than live in a socialist place like Russia, Cuba, and some of these other socialist places that y'all only seeing the good side of, that you're not really seeing the real meat and bones of it. See, socialism works good for the upper social class, but it don't work that good for the lower social class. See, that's what y'all not talking about. Y'all not talking about the social classes. See, there's classes of social. See, socialism is just not all one, one level. There's upper social class and there's lower social class. Now, this is just my uneducated opinion here. Because if you're living in a social class, social country, you got some people living high off the hog and some people living off the scraps of the hog. North Korea, 1%. There's a high social class and there's a lower social class. That's what y'all don't realize. Even with the racism here in America, you still have some type of legal course to at least fight back. Or you even have some course to pick up your bags and move somewhere else. There's lots of land. Like I tell you on the airplane, I see lots of land. You know, you don't have to go to a big city. You can go to some little, little small ghost town and start and open up a ghost town. You know what I'm saying? If you don't like your situation, you can change it in America, in this capitalist society. But you can't change in no socialist society. Where you going? You have to wait on somebody else to feed you. Socialism is like welfare. Like Section 8, when y'all get in them Section 8 houses, that means you got to wait every month for them folks to send you a check or pay your rent. When you're on welfare, you got to depend on somebody else every month to feed you. And you got to do what they say. And you can't get mad when people try to inspect you or tell you what to do with your household. Because if somebody paying for your household, they can tell you what to do. You can't holler about mine when you ain't paying for it. That's like I hear some of these young fellas, it really bewilders me when they be talking about when they be gang banging, talking about their hood, this mosh street, this our street. Nigga, that ain't your name on that sign. That sign said Herbert Hoover and Roosevelt Boulevard. Now, far as I know, ain't none of you niggas named Herbert Hoover and Roosevelt. Ain't none of y'all getting tax money off this street. Ain't none of y'all fixing the street light when the street light go out.
But yet y'all killing each other talking about this y'all block. That is some of the stupidest stuff I ever heard in my life. You don't own nothing. You don't own this. But you dying for it. Not by the hands of the police. You dying by the hands of yourself. Don't get me wrong. Police may come through. And a bad cop may have a bad shooting. And kill ones y'all. But tell me something. How many have y'all killed? We got this thing messed up. If y'all want to see the real world, if you want to appreciate where you live, go to go to Canada, go, go to Cuba, the real Cuba. Or go online. Go on YouTube. Check out the real socialist country. And this is how y'all want to make America. California. When I flew into California in 2000. 13 December, I used to always want to go to California. I want to see California because I'd be hearing about all these movie stars, these big houses on the hill. When I drove out of LAX to get on the 408, one of the little highways, big, that big highway, I couldn't believe how filthy LA was. Filthy, in my opinion. Now, this is just my opinion. I don't like my opinion. Like I say, this is just my opinion. That's y'all problem. It was filthy. When I when I drove up to San Clarita, uh, now that area was beautiful because I was going up in the mountains. That area was beautiful. San Clarita outside LA, it was beautiful, clean. LA was filthy. And I remember one weekend I had to go to this uh this fabric. This fabric place to get some fabric material called uh, Empire Fabrics down in LA. Now I could have ordered my fabric to come up to where I was, but I decided to uh, I drive down to LA. I like a little exploring, so I drove on down, hit the four way, then I had to get on the one hundred and one, and uh, I just couldn't believe it. it was tense on the side of the highway. It was tense. Get off, get off the exit. It was tense. I'm like, where the hell am I at? It was tense. Now, I've been traveling to a lot of places. I ain't I never been scared to go nowhere. Never. By myself, I didn't travel to different cities for work and everything else. But I went down to LA. I got off, got off the exit, and it was tense everywhere. I'm thinking, I said, what the hell about this? This this America, ain't it? So I drive, I find it, uh, uh, Empire, Fabric Empire. And it's in like this warehouse district zone, just nothing but warehouses. And I got kind of confused because like I say it's warehouses. So I'm not knowing where to do it or nothing. So I park my car. I get out of my car and there's people walking around like the walking dead everywhere. I'm like, where the hell am I at? I'm serious, like the walking dead. So I goes in there. When I goes in the door, it's nothing but Asians in there. It's a big old warehouse just full of fabric. You can go online, Fabric Empire, beautiful fabrics. Nothing but fabric, rolls and rolls and stocks and stocks of fabrics. There's nothing but Asians in there. They're on the phone. They can call it nothing but Asians. Walk outside the building. It was like the walking dead. Nothing but blacks, black folks walking down the street. Some with no shoes on. They stopped at the stopped at the lights. I stopped at the stop sign to make a turn. I'm looking both of you like, man, I got to get the hell out of here. They walk around looking up in your all up in your car. I'm like, this America? 
It's America. The Asians working, got they got their little business going on good. And we are black folk walking around here like zombies. They're like Ten City. And then I went and explored another way. We that uh when I was in LA, <clears throat> I wanted to see where all these homeless people at. Now I didn't even drive through that whole section. Before I got to turn in there, like they call it Ten City. Uh, filthy. It's America. Now, all them people that live in that tent city, whatever that little thing, they say it even, it's, they see it it's even, it's even worse now. All them folks in there and living in the tents, they get money from somewhere. They are social, they are socialized to live there, and it's even getting bigger with more tents. See, they're being socialized to live there. Now, some people don't. Ask me about the psychology or why did they, I don't know. Maybe it's alcoholic, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's mental conditions. But you got families in there that you actually have families in there that doesn't have those conditions, but just want to live in there because it's cheap and more convenient to live in there. But this is America. And when I went to San Francisco back in 95, they say San Francisco is even worse now. But when I went to San Francisco in 95, I stayed at the Wardorf. Wardorf, uh, Wardorf Historian Hotel is one of the oldest hotels there in San Francisco. And you know me, I ventured out. And when I ventured out, I made a left turn. I went to the, if I know San Francisco and where the Wardorf said. I came out of the Wardorf, I made a left. I walked to the block, I made another left. And you go down the street, down the block, and it's like homeless people was out of this world. I never seen I many homeless people. Now, I was in San Francisco before I was in California. I was in California. In uh, 2013, December, I was in San Francisco and not around about 1995. So I can imagine how bad San Francisco is now. And my sister-in-law works there, so she, she works for government, so she tells me how bad it is now. America. But then when I seen that video and that had my buddy John, like I said, he'd been to Cuba. You know, he, he went down there. You know, because he he didn't know cigars, so he's visited some of the some some of the uh, the plantations down there in Cuba. And I asked him, I said, John, is it really like that in Cuba? He said, it's like that. He said, I've been there. He said, I've seen all that. He said, I walked that. So it's not like I'm sitting up here watching this beauty video on on Cuba on Cuba, and it's not real, and like it's a propaganda video. No, John been there. He confirmed it. Say I did. I walked that. I seen that. That's what people know about socialism. So look, y'all do what y'all want to do. See, capitalism ain't perfect, but do you see what capitalism has gotten this country? Capitalism has made this country the longest standing empire in history, longer than the Roman Empire. Do capitalism. But yet, y'all want to take us back under socialism. You want to bring us under the same rule as China and Russia and Cuba and some of these other places. You young folks. Because y'all so lazy and idealistic. I'm going to call you lazy and idealistic. Because you want stuff handed to you. Now, look, now look, look, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that America is perfect. 
I'm not saying that the police is perfect. Well, are you perfect inside your household? Because that's where everything starts. When you talk about a race of people like myself, I'm black. I'm proud to be a black man. But what progress? We were making good progress coming up out of the 60s. Because you get so materialistic and you can't band together. You can't. Who fault is that? You get other ethnic groups coming over here like I was looking the other day at rounds here where I'm at. I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of, uh, in this area in Florida, a lot of folks came up from Puerto Rico. And a lot of them getting their own business because you know what? I'm seeing Latin stores open up like Bravo and some of these other Latin stores open up. See what I'm saying? Start, they starting businesses and they got their community. They start businesses in their community. They do business with each other. When you walk in there, it ain't nothing but Latinos in America and some blacks in there. And you can't tell, really, really tell. Some Latins are dark skinned too because you really can't tell. But they do business. They open up businesses. A lot of your delivery services, like delivering furniture, stuff like that, a lot of them fellas is Latino. They open up businesses in their community. These are the same community here that blacks, when I came to this place in 2009, right? These are the same community. The black was here first. But the land is coming in and they starting their businesses. The Indian folks coming in and starting their businesses, their restaurants, their stores, and they buying up businesses in the black community. Now I'm saying to myself, man, I'm about as confused as a woodpecker. Man, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of myself. Wait a minute. How is these Latin folks coming here, the Indian folks coming in, coming in here, the Air folks coming in here? They're coming in on the black side of town. They buying the old business, the old buildings on the black side of town, and they putting their businesses in. Now, black folks talking about that equal rights and we ain't got none. But wait a minute. This is your community that you had, I know, since 2009. This is 2020. When I came in 2009, all these buildings on this black side of town, it was run down. Right? It was run down. Now, they had the little pocket there. But then, I'm seeing these other ethnic groups coming in, buying the buildings, putting businesses up, and the black folks still hollering about, they ain't giving us nothing. You know, the, the police holding us back. They all this old crazy talk here. Why these other people moving into your community, starting businesses, and you going patronizing their businesses. I'm, I'm scratching my head trying to figure this out. And this is just a small sample size of what has been going on globally. Now, I know people say, well, we don't get the same tax breaks as other ignorance groups when they start businesses. Other groups put their money together. The government gives them tax incentives. Okay. Let me tell you something. When you're playing sports against somebody, there's always somebody going to have an advantage over you. Right? LeBron James got an advantage skill-wise over a Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, skill-wise, have a have have an advantage over over uh, Dame, uh Damian Leonard. Leonard. 
Because he's taller. He can he can jump, he, he can rebound a little better. He can, he can position himself on big men a little better. We all don't start off at the same point in life. But we learn how to get ahead. We learn how to work with those we work with to get where we going. And I cannot justify when I'm seeing just a small size in this little town, a whole black community being bought out. The same old buildings from 2009 when I came here is now owned by other ethnic groups in the black community and being patronized by blacks. But blacks want to holler about what somebody else ain't giving them. Now, I'm not talking about your city. Whatever you're going on your little city, that's your city. But you look around your little city. Now, you look around your little city and you see what's going on with us, the blacks out of town. Who businesses in there? Who businesses in there? What businesses are you patronizing? How long the business been there? Who owned the businesses before? Just like I give you another little small sample size in Louisiana, where I was born and raised at. In my community, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Now, we had less than what folks got today. Now, the dollar value is different. Right? But the dollar value went to the same, it went, it went the same amount of ways. Because people say, well, you know, the dollar back then different than the dollar that far as the value. And that is true. But the economy, right? Like water seeks its own level, the economy fits the time. And it was beautiful. Our community was beautiful. We had beautiful schools in our community. The teachers lived in our community. The stores that I went to as a little boy was all black owned. The gas station was black owned. The city park was clean and beautiful. The, the streets was beautiful that you walked down because people took pride in their yard. I'm telling y'all what I know. This is a small self-side. Y'all call me a racist uncle time, whatever you want. I don't really care. Because somebody got to give y'all this hard fact talk. If nobody give you this hard fact talk, then... You're just going to be ignorant. You're going to be ignorant because you're going to be looking at the world through right now. See, there's a reason why you're in this position. You ain't in this position because of today. You're in this position because of yesterday. You see, when they're talking about passing things down, these are things that was passed down. When I was a little boy, was things was clean. It was beautiful. Everything in the community. Hey, folks ain't bother you. We didn't hear nothing about no police shooting blacks back then in, in, in Alexander, right where I was from down there. I ain't never heard about no police beating nobody. Man, everybody in the town, you knew where a man stood. You knew where to go, not to go after dog. You you knew that. I'd rather that. I'd rather, I'd rather know where a where man stand than trying to figure it out. You didn't hear about no black killings or black shoots when I was a little fella. I ain't gonna say that it didn't go on. You just didn't hear about it. We have cell phones. <laughs> I'm just gonna say. No. But I'm telling y'all how the community looked. I'm just telling y'all who lived in the community. I'm telling y'all what I saw. I saw blacks doing business with blacks. I saw black businesses. And then what happened was 
Because because even when I moved to Michigan, every summer we was back in Louisiana. Every summer, we spent the summer school. We spent you know after mom took us to Michigan, we spent uh, those school days in Michigan. But the summertime, we always was back in Louisiana, and everything was beautiful. But then what happened was the older folks, like my grandma and them, and my auntie and them, the older folks started dying off. Now, everybody owned their house now. When the old folks started dying off, the young folks, right, from generations after, the young folks is the ones that didn't take in anything. Because they now they want the high life, right? Now they start messing with these drugs and all these other things start coming in. And things start changing. They didn't, they, old young young folks just left all that property. Like my grandma's house down there just left that property. I'm going to buy that property. I get a good old tax sale too. I know lady who owned the tax lien on it. She bought my grandma's house for $13 on, on a tax lien. $13. And she ain't doing nothing with it. And she ain't doing nothing with it because the community is so bad. Years later when I went back down there, it looked like a nuclear bomb had hit the community. Right over they built the highway and over the train tracks in the back of my grandmother's house, a big old highway. Instead of going through the community, they went over the community. And it just looks bad. The young folks there selling drugs, pants hanging down off their tails, and it's just crazy. The school, the high school there, which was a prominent high school, it was a black high school. It was turned into a magnet school. They shipped all the black kids out and moved the black white kids in. It, it looks horrible because the young young generation of blacks, the ones that were smart and educated, they didn't come back to the community. They moved out. They moved on the white side of town. When the educated uh, blacks came back from college and moved on the white side of town, you know what the white folks did? The white folks moved out. So now the part of town where we grew up in, it just looks horrible because they left the community. And the ones that they love behind the community didn't take in under house and it just looks horrible. And then where the educated blacks moved at, the white folks moved out. Now those areas are starting to look horrible. Because the black folks that moved in to the white area, they had good intentions. But then when they died off and they left that to their kids, now their kids ain't appreciating it. Just like they didn't appreciate the community where they left and the white folks moved out. See, we keep trying to follow white folks. That's the main problem right there. We want to go live on their side of town. When the last time you heard a white folks saying that, hey, we want to go live on their side of town? The only time you hear about white folks moving into, per se, a black side of town is when urban renewal coming in, or they call it gentrified, when the community is about to be gentrified. That's when they move in your community. When they see the value of that land, like I was telling y'all that one talk I had, when they see the value of that land, that's what they identify. They send the gay folks in first. They send the gay and the artists in first. They send the gay and the artist folks in first, right? Then the developers, the, then the developers come in. <laughs> I can't blame nobody though because you left that land. You left that valuable land behind. You see what I'm saying? You didn't appreciate it. But now, we want to blame everybody in the world for the condition that we in. 
And like I say, it ain't been pitfalls. It ain't been a whole lot. It's, I know about red line. I know about all these laws to put in place, the three strike laws, you know, three strike laws. Look, drugs were put into the community, right? You and you know you ain't going to get rich off drugs. When the Italians had this thing, and this is just what I heard, I don't know, up in uh, New York or whatever, Italians wouldn't sell cocaine or crack to their own people. They say, sell that, get that to the niggas. The niggas, they're, they, they, they're, they're, they'll sell dope to their people. Now, this is what I heard. They had a policy. They wouldn't sell drugs to their people. But they'll serve, but they'll sell drugs to the blacks. So the blacks can sell drugs to the black. We ain't had no morals. We just, we just want them shiny things. So we'll sell drugs to our mama, our friend's mama, our friend's sister, our friend daddy. We'll do that. Because we got we on the come up. We got to get the bag. Now I'm gonna tell y'all the biggest buyer of drugs, it ain't blacks. The biggest drive buyer of drugs is these rich white kids. But see, they got so much money that they can cover up the stink. See, they can buy perfume to cover up their stank. Do you think they buying all these all these kilos of drugs coming over here and black folks buying it? No. These little young white kids, the ones who are doing all the dope. But they got enough perfume to cover up their stank. But here's the catch it though. They want to give you, the black kids, the drugs to sell for them. Nobody going after these big kingpins or the people who flying the dope in stopping the airplanes ain't nobody stop you better at, at, at the airport for the drugs but yet they getting you life in jail for selling drugs because they know you a fool they know that you have no value when a person don't have no value for you that's how they use you because let me tell y'all something every drug that flies in this country don't people know where they drugs go they know who's selling it. They know who do it. You ain't smarter than the FBI. Let me tell you, these people know where they drew is going. But they got to have something. It's a system put in place. It's the most beautiful system there is. Fly your drugs in. Give it to the niggas. The niggas going to sell it. Right? We're going to let them sell so much, then we're going to bust them. We're going to put them in jail. The lawyers going to make money. The prosecutors are going to make money. We can open up privatized prison. We can keep it, keep it populated because we got enough niggas that we need to lock up. Black folks, 17% of America, 15, 17% of America. They say it's more black men locked up in prison than, than white people. That is, that's, that's, there's more black people by population. Look at the population. If you got 17% of the population is black in America. And you got 70% of the men, 70, 80% of the people that's locked up, men and women in prison are black. Then you, with the rest of the black folks out here, you see how, you, how the community is damaged. And then the young black kids coming up, now nah, they're killing each other because you're dropping guns, cheap guns into the community. You take all the jobs out of the black community, the black area. You take the education you you degrade the education in the black community. You put the only you you put this rap crap on TV. 
You put all these people flaunting jewelry on TV. So now you got these little young black kids coming up. They, they can't go nowhere getting no job. They ain't educated. The mom is on Instagram tweaking, twerking, whatever they call that thing. So now these little young cats, they get together and they ban a group. And now they find these cheap guns. And then you give them this marijuana, this, this diluted marijuana. And what do you got? You got a rap video. You got a rap video with a bunch of kids pointing guns. I ain't never, I'm looking at that saying, oh my goodness. It scares me. They on the video with a bunch of guns. Stacks of money to the head, talking inside the money like they're talking to the stack broker. I'm saying to myself, man, they, and they talking about the police? Then when somebody in the community get killed, right? They call the police. I don't understand that. Man, look here. I took up enough of y'all time. Can you pop up out this bed? I just had a little something on my mind, man. I know I've been scatterbrained all over the place, but uh, it's just another one of my little early morning figging talks. I ain't smoked no cigar. I ain't got out this bed, man. Only thing I did in the morning, rub my head. And you know, in the morning time, we got to scratch Scratch our balls in the morning. That's just what men do. We scratch our balls in the morning. <laughs> yeah, the better child. Look. Hey, look. Y'all going throughout this day, man. I hope y'all. It's a beautiful Sunday. It's a Sunday day. It's a Sunday day down here in Florida. Beautiful. Well, it's raining a little bit, but pretty nice out there right now. So I'm going to get up. I'm going to head to the gym for a few and, you know, maybe sit out there on my front gate out there, smoke me a cigar. If it don't, don't get too hot. Got a little fan I got out there, too. I'm just going to try to relax today. Just had a little something on my mind. Thought I'd pop the recorder on. Sell, sell a few little things. All right. Hey, I'll talk to y'all later.